In the drawing room, a group of suspects gathered. The detective has solved the mystery. Ladies and gentlemen, the butler did it. <laughs> You'll never catch me. The butler darted to his getaway car. But what he didn't know is this is a Nissan sales event ad. Wait, what? And his car is no match for the detective's Nissan Rogue or its standard VC turbo engine. Save on one of your own at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event. Now get 0% APR financing for 36 months on select models. Availability is limited. For well-qualified buyers, 0% APR financing for 36 months available on new 2023 Altima Rogue and Pathfinder when financed through NMAC. Must take delivery from new dealer stock. 36 months financing at $27.78 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary subject to residency restrictions and NMAC credit approval. Not all buyers qualified. Dealer contribution may affect actual price set by dealer. Contact dealer for details. Offer ends 2-28-23. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an illegal no. thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Pizza we have tonight. Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. There are certain catchphrases or lines that have resulted from our predator investigations that have become iconic in pop culture. And the investigation we did in Fort Myers, Florida produced exactly one of those. What is it? Marvin, you're naked. Now I'll explain what that all means in just a little bit, but Marvin was a predator who, like John Kennelly in a previous investigation, walked into the house with no clothes on, as the line would suggest. What's interesting is, no matter what I'm doing in relation to the Predator franchise, people always bring up that line. Friends of mine will text me and just out of the blue say, Marvin, you're naked, or when I do cameos, the fan engagement videos that I do dozens of times, people will mention, Marvin, you're naked or want me to say, Marvin, you're naked. Well, today, we're going to talk about that naked Marvin on the podcast, Predators I've Caught. In April 2006, I had just finished a vacation with my family. We were on Sanibel Island, and 
and spent some quality time on the beach and eating good seafood, going fishing with my boys who were then about 10 and 12 years old, and was really, really what I needed to get away. We were knee deep in the predator investigations, but I also had a full load of other stories that I was working on for Dateline NBC and NBC News at the time. And that brings up an interesting topic because so many people think that the Predator franchise was just all I was doing at the time. Well, it was a portion of it and it took up a fair amount of my time, but we'd go work nonstop for, you know, three, four, five days straight, many times almost around the clock, putting together these investigations, these series, these stories. And so while it was a lot of what got the attention or what a lot of what people were talking about at the time, it was just, you know, 5% or 10% of what I was actually working on. So the vacation was much needed, very relaxing. And I went straight from Sanibel Island to meet my producer, Lynn Keller, and the rest of the crew in Fort Myers for the sting operation. My relaxed mood and attitude quickly evaporated. We had just finished the Ohio investigation in Greenville, where we had caught the teacher we spoke of in our previous episode, James Rutherford. And if the flow of visitors in Ohio had been sporadic, it was steady in this new location in Fort Myers, Florida. The vacation had relaxed me, as I mentioned before, but it was time to change that, and it would change overnight. All of these shoots, the predator shoots, go late whether they're the ones we just did in Michigan a few weeks ago or the ones going back to the very beginning. But in Fort Myers, well, it was probably by far the latest, with one man showing up at four in the morning. The house in Fort Myers was in one of the nicest neighborhoods in town. It was a classic Florida-style stucco home with a guest house on the property where the Fort Myers police would eventually set up their parallel investigation. It was very handy because... We had the house all to ourselves with our techs and our crew and our security and myself and the producers. And within minutes of arriving at the site, my producer and I were taken by the chief of police at the time, a great guy named Hilton Daniels, to the home of the city's mayor. We were just starting to get a lot of attention with the Predator franchise, and it was a big deal for Fort Myers and the police department there and the city itself to make this statement that it was going to be a part of the effort to make children safer online. And Fort Myers wanted to be at the forefront of that. We chatted with the mayor and his wife for about 20 minutes. And, and it's, it's typical when we go to towns. Uh, people want to meet you and talk to you and, and have their moment before you get started or just afterwards. And, and we get to the house. And of course, the chats had been going on for days. Perverted Justice, the watchdog group with which we partnered, had decoys on the site and Dell and Frag, of course, who you know if you've ever seen any of those shows with Perverted Justice were there and we got to work. And, you know, I had the highlighter out. I started going through all the transcripts as I usually do. And the tech team was still rigging the house. We had 13 hidden cameras inside the house, outside the house. We even had a camera hidden in a palm tree that could pan literally 360 degrees and could zoom in tight enough to read a license plate on a car down the block, which was handy for us as it turns out. The perverted justice folks were set up in an upstairs bedroom and the tech team was on the first floor in a study. Ron Knight, the security expert we used and 
who became a good friend of mine, and Emily the decoy were in a sunroom adjacent to the living room. It was a big house, as I had mentioned, probably 4,000 square feet. That would be the area of the living room where I would eventually confront the men who came in, the predators. There was a bar set up there, a countertop, and a, a stool, obviously, where the predator could, as I always say, take a seat. Emily, the decoy, the on-site decoy, worked for us, but she also took instruction from perverted justice. She was trained by police. We had run her through a number of scenarios, and, and she had really gained confidence since the Ohio investigation, which was her first. Dell, who was with perverted justice, spent a lot of time working with her, and Frag as well, talking her through each encounter. They had a two-way radio set up, and, and she had an earpiece, and, and if a potential predator came over to meet a boy, Dell would swap out and, and play the part of the boy. She could pull her hair back, put a ball cap on, and just was really good at it. In fact, she was the decoy, on-site decoy, who dealt with the rabbi, David Kay, in the Washington, D.C. area predator investigation in one of our earlier episodes. So the Ohio and the Florida Stings would play as a four-hour series that would come out in May of 2006, but you know, even in that fast-paced world of television, it was a very quick turnaround, which meant basically, you know, we were editing almost as that we were shooting these these shows, and it was a frantic pace. But you know, it's it kept us on our toes, and and we were a little anxious actually in Florida because the laws governing concealed weapons were looser than in many other states, and so it gave pause to Ron Knight, and we had discussed this with the Fort Myers Police Department, and. We were fortunate, though, that this particular April, we had a warm spell in Florida. It's the third week in April, and that meant that our visitors wouldn't be wearing jackets, and it would be easier to see if they were carrying weapons as they approached the house, the back door. They would pull up in front, park, they would walk around, and the police, the Fort Myers police, were set up in this guest house in the backyard. It was ideal, really, for what we were doing, because they could monitor through hidden cameras, they had monitors, they could see what was going on, they could see the entranceway, and then they could move into position. And one of the unique things in To Catch a Predator lore and history, for those who follow all these things, was that the Fort Myers investigation was the only one where the police department actually had an officer in a ghillie suit. Now, if you don't know what a ghillie suit is, it's, it's basically a suit that lets you fit in with the brush. You look like a bush monster. So you're wearing this huge suit, Sasquatch almost looking thing, and, and you can lie and wait and be in the bushes undetected. So they actually had an officer in a ghillie suit in the bushes. So he or she could see the predator approach go in. Obviously they had a two-way radio and earpiece and know when the person was coming out. So there are scenes from this particular episode, this particular investigation, where the officer in the ghillie suit tackles the guy in the driveway, and it made for some very dramatic footage. And some people later said, well, you know, was that really necessary? And, and I posed that question to Tilton Daniels, the police chief, in the interview I did with him for the show. And he said, look, you know, there are a lot of things that we have at our disposal. And based on the potential of somebody having a gun, and the fluid nature of these investigations, we didn't think that was going too far, and it seemed fine by us. The first predator to arrive on the first day, which is a Friday, came about 2.30 in the afternoon. It was a 31-year-old guy, really didn't stand out of a crowd, was a handyman. 
very direct online. He thought he was talking to a 14-year-old girl. And that passed without incident. Interesting. Obviously, he'd make the investigation. But one after another, we continued to confront the men showing up. And and it went very late, very late, I think, till 4 o'clock in the morning Saturday. By the time I got back to the hotel, I hadn't even checked in yet because I hit the ground running after vacation and went straight to work. So I was pretty bleary-eyed when I checked into the hotel at 4 a.m. And and we got a little bit of sleep and got up the next morning to get ready. And that first day, I think we had 11 men that showed up and all very interesting. We were off to the races. By the end of this investigation, we'd have 24 guys show up. One guy actually who showed up was deaf, which was very challenging. And we had a difficult time communicating with him. And it took a little while for us to figure out between the police and everybody else, because obviously we didn't want him to misunderstand an order by the police. We had to let them know that this guy had, you know, a hearing impairment and we got through all that. Then finally on Saturday, we were working and there was a fellow who showed up. His screen name was Crazy Trini 85. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. This man was 22 years old. His name, Marvin Lackham. Again, famous for the line, Marvin, you're naked. We'll explain how he got naked right now. Marvin, or Crazy Trini 85, is what we call in our predator investigations a fast roller, meaning that he doesn't take a lot of time to warm up in the chat before he comes over. Literally, two hours after he started chatting with the perverted justice decoy, he was at this house. And Crazy Trini 85 was a man who knew exactly what he wanted and wasn't shy about asking for it. When he was chatting online with someone he thought was a 14-year-old girl named Cindy, he asked the girl if she'll try anal sex. He said it's better than regular sex. When the girl tells him she has a hot tub in her house, he says, I'm a fuck you in there, LOL, and on your mom's bed. Cindy asked, why not my bed? Crazy Trini 85 said, that too. I'm a fuck you in every room. No matter where you go, you will remember me. So you have to wonder at this point, why does somebody not only want to have sex with somebody who's underage, but why do they take the next step to humiliate or denigrate somebody? And we'll get to that right now. This was our fifth investigation in five different states. And I pretty much figured at the time that I had seen it and heard it all, but I wasn't even close. Crazy Trini 85 asks Cindy if she had any pets. After she told him she has a cat, he types, you know what would be a huge ass turn on for me? Watching you fuck him, meaning the cat. So we're incredulous at this point because who says something like that? The decoy says, I don't think I want to fuck the cat. Marvin, Crazy Trini 85, is persistent, though. Would you for me? People do that shit all the time. How about suck his little kitty dick? Who says this? And why? I mean, does somebody really want to make a 14-year-old girl go through this? And for what purpose? What do you get out of that? Later on the phone, he asked the girl to get some Cool Whip for the kitty sex party. 
The decoy said she would think about it. Crazy Trini 85 would do something for her. Strip naked once he walks into the house. Now, as I mentioned, we did have the special guy 29, John Connelly, walking naked in suburban Washington, D.C., and we'll get into that in a later episode, but we never really thought for sure we'd see another naked predator arrive, but sure enough, crazy Trini 85 didn't disappoint. Seconds after he walked into the door, so he's got to come to the front of the house, park, walk up the driveway, which, you know, probably is 300 feet, turn the corner into the back of the house and come into the back door, which comes into the kitchen. So he walks in. Now, I'm in the study with Ron Knight watching this on a monitor. Remember, the police are in the guest house and the decoy is in the kitchen around the corner communicating with him, but able to get away when he starts moving to move into the study where we are. Hopefully he has a seat on the stool at the bar and then I come out and do the confrontation. So he comes in and he takes off his clothes and man, he's, he's moving fast. And I'm trying to process all this, like, okay, how do I handle this? We had a towel on the couch, right? Like we did back in suburban Washington, DC for special guy 29. And, but he's coming fast and he's moving so quickly and the decoy barely gets into the study in time to, you know, not be face to face with him naked. And he's around. I mean, there's no getting around this. I mean, he's all hanging out there and very excited to be involved in this. So by the time he gets to the study, because he knows the girl has gone into the study, he's going in after and he's ready to go. He grabs the handle at the same time I grab the handle and I can feel this. Now I've lost sight of the monitor, so I really don't know exactly what he's doing, but I know he's naked. I at least know he doesn't have a weapon, at least one that he can use on me. And I open the door as he tries to open the door, and he looks at me, and it's this oh no moment. And he freezes. And suddenly he's not as excited about his big evening that he's got. You want to explain yourself? Grab me that towel right there, please. Wrap it around yourself. I tell him to pick up the towel. He grabs it off the couch. He goes back to the bar. And now we're going to have our discussion. I ask him, what are you doing? He says, making a mistake. Making a mistake. I've heard that before. He says he was just messing around with the girl online. I was, I was, I was just messing around with it. I wasn't You're just messing serious. around. I really wasn't serious about the cat. And he started laughing like it was a big joke. Yeah, this is first time, which will never happen again, I can tell you that. I asked him if he thought this was funny, and he straightened up and said no. Now, some of these interviews become infamous for all the details that a predator provides. Marvin really didn't give up all that much. He stuck to his position that he really wasn't going to do anything. He said it looked bad. He admitted it, but he didn't get into any detail as to, you know, why a 22-year-old man not only gets online to have sex with a 14-year-old, but then wants her to do all this crazy stuff with a cat and whipped cream and all this humiliation stuff. And that's really what I wanted to get at. I wanted to get it in his head. If I could ask him one question today, all these years later, it would be, 
What was the purpose of this? Was it sexual? Was it a fantasy? Was it something that happened to you as a child? Or were you just trying to denigrate this young girl? At some point, he actually asks me if he can have some water. Some water? Yes, please. So there wasn't a method for me to have somebody get it and bring it out. Everybody was out of position. So I felt comfortable enough that he wasn't going anywhere. First of all, he was naked, but for the towel he had wrapped around him sitting on the chair, I, I felt I had control of the situation. Ronnie Knight was in the mix. So I took the risk of going into the kitchen myself, getting a bottle of water, cracking open and handing it to him. At which point I say, I saw that running around naked got you pretty uh, dried out there, huh? Like, you know, he's not facing me on television and about to be arrested. And so I said, so what's going to be happening here if I'm not here? You're naked. There's a 14-year-old girl chasing a cat around. You've got Cool Whip. And you want this girl to do some sort of a sex act with the cat. You're naked. There's a 14-year-old girl. You're chasing a cat around. You've got Cool Whip. And you want this girl to do some sex act with the cat, and then you'll have sex with her. Is that accurate? And sheepishly, he says, yes. He admitted to me that had there really been a girl in the house and that we weren't there, he would have had sex with her. And that, once again, he was making a big mistake. I told him that he could keep the towel or the blanket. He went back to the laundry room, got dressed, and was promptly arrested as he left the house. We watched all this on the monitor. Please let him Another late night in Fort Myers. It was 3.15 in the morning when I got back to the hotel and started to process what I had just seen and experienced with Marvin Lackham, Crazy Trini 85. Marvin was prosecuted for soliciting a minor online and trying to have sex with somebody who is underage, essentially statutory rape. He started to work his way through the court system, and it took quite some time. Surprisingly, he was able to qualify for the Youthful Offender Act. So it's a situation where he essentially pleads guilty to trying to have sex with a minor. If he doesn't offend for five years, he is wiped clean from the criminal system. But he does have to register as a sex offender in Florida. And ultimately, he was deported to his homeland, Trinidad. Now, during the chat, Marvin had told the decoy that he was in college trying to get into medical school and wanted to be a doctor. That was one of the reasons why he knew how to have sex with her without getting her pregnant. I don't know whether he was hoping to be a veterinarian, given all the cat Cool Whip stuff. But he did leave the country deported to Trinidad in 2012. And this is interesting because Trinidad doesn't have a sex offender registry there. So when people in Trinidad actually found out about what had happened to him in the United States in the Fort Myers investigation, they actually created a Facebook page of registered sex offenders and they put Marvin on there to keep tabs on him. And you could look online if you put it in a search engine, you can find this. And you can also find other information about Crazy Trini 
85, Mara Blackham. So he goes back to Trinidad where we're told he is still today, not uh, a doctor or pediatrician, thankfully, or even a veterinarian. But we're told he is working in a pharmacy. We don't know if he's actually a pharmacist or whether he's just an employee there. He did get married in July of 2020. And there's a picture on social media of Marvin, and we know it's him, with his new bride. And we assume he is still married today. We don't know how much he shared of his experience with his new bride, his new in-laws, or anything like that. But he is living in Trinidad, still not allowed to come back to the United States. There was some talk that he came back to Florida to wrap up some business and he had been hiding from immigration authorities, but we now can confirm that, in fact, he's married and living in Trinidad. We do not know if, at this point, he's got children of his own. What's the lesson of Marvin, Crazy Trini, 85? Again, I think it's trying to unlock why somebody... I mean, I, I, I do understand it's wrong for all the reasons we know in this society for an adult to seek sex with, with a minor. That's a given. But why do you have to take it to the next level and humiliate somebody? And is this somebody just just thinks it's funny? Is it somebody who's trying to just hurt somebody even worse than to commit statutory rape against them? I think at some point on this podcast, we'll have Dr. Lisa Stroman or one of the other therapist experts that I consult frequently to talk about some of this stuff. I think it'd be interesting and to get their take on all this. And you wonder, will he ever offend again, given the nature of this crime? We will keep tabs on him and all the other hundreds of predators we've caught. I always want to hear your comments on the podcast and suggestions for future podcasts. But also, do me a favor, subscribe and share the podcast. I'll see you next time. On Predators I've Caught, I'm Chris Hansen.